This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for Thursday. It's Oanda, Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham, and uh, from the United States, Trader Nick. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, guys. Let's go to you first, though, Nick. Interesting times in the United States. Stocks at an all-time high, certainly been a Santa Claus rally. And we've seen some newly revised U.S. GDP figures today. Where would you like to start? Well, the indices, to make clear, we we did, in fact, put in all-time highs for two out of the three major indices. We had the NASDAQ and the Dow hitting all-time highs with the S&P 500 close, but not just quite there. It's actually kind of interesting. You do see when looking at the S&P, you know, we had a little bit of a sell-off at the end of yesterday, down about a 1% move. I believe that was the worst uh, day. Well, it was about 1.5% actually. Worst day since uh, October. So we've been, as you mentioned, just this perhaps an early Santa Claus rally. We've had like a straight, you know, 16% up move from the lows, uh, you know, recently on, on the S&P. Um, but again, two out of the three indices uh, have, have just hit all-time highs, and now we see a little bit of a retreat. Uh, a lot of people yesterday were were a little bit confused. Like there wasn't a big headliner to go along with yesterday's end of day during the New York session sell-off. Um, and I think that a lot of point uh, people are pointing kind of to uh, just some profit taking. You've had such a massive move towards the end of the year. Um, there is that possibility that that people are stepping away for the holidays. Sure, there is that Santa Claus rally, but many people are kind of debating with this this recent move in rates. The drop has that pulled forward some of that uh, Santa Claus rally optimism. We'll see how that plays out uh, for the end of the year. You also did mention final GDP numbers did come out a little bit revised down. Uh, we. Are are seeing, again, still contraction in the, the economy, but still a very, very strong you know, U.S. economy, especially when compared to a lot of its peers throughout the world right now. Tomorrow, I guess, is the last major piece of information. We do have core PCE numbers coming out, so a little bit of uh, inflation read to go with this. And um, I I think that most market expectations, we mentioned this yesterday, without repeating myself too much for those who listen to the podcast, the basic idea, core PCE tomorrow expectations are for uh, inflation to continue cooling. And that's what the market really wants to see. If it doesn't see that, I think the risk is to the downside on that big time. Because again, markets are very, very pumped up on enthusiasm. And a lot of people are coming back into the markets. Core PCE, probably not a super exciting uh, news number, most likely. But if you get any surprises, certainly could cause some Friday volatility. We also saw some interesting moves in oil, right? Uh, Right, Craig? I mean, we saw some OPEC drama, right? Yeah, Angola has announced it's leaving OPEC. Uh, 17 years uh, after it joined uh, the cartel, it's announced that it's leaving. It's clashed with Saudi Arabia at recent meetings uh, as the group has tried to force lower output on, uh, on on member states. And we remember that earlier this month, the meeting was actually delayed. And one of the things that was touted was three African countries uh, that were unhappy with the quotas and clear and Angola, if I'm not mistaken, was one of those. And now it's decided to leave the cartel altogether, uh, so it can effectively determine its own output targets. And um, this 
did cause a bit of a wobble in oil earlier on. We've got to remember, oil's been bouncing back this past week uh, off its lows. It came close to its 2023 lows um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And over the last week or so, we have seen it rebounding higher. And the, the situation in the Red Sea, as we discussed on the podcast yesterday, could be one of the reasons. I think another reason is the fact that we've seen a lot more rate cuts priced in next year. That gives the global economy that extra buffer, that extra ability to bounce back next year and potentially not fall into recession uh, as a result. And a better economy means more demand and more demand means uh, a higher price. Uh, so I think there's been a few things that have really contributed to the rebound in oil, but this did tip it lower again. And I think the reason is, for one, it means we could get a little bit more output. Um, if I'm, I think if I'm not mistaken, Angola is the second largest uh, oil producer in Africa. So still quite a, a sizable member of the OPEC alliance. Uh, so it means more oil because Angola will now produce more in and of itself. But it also throws into question again, something that has already been questioned, which is what compliance is like going to be like uh, with the output cuts that were announced by OPEC Plus at the last meeting, there was already speculation that people would not live up to it. I think Angola actually came out after the meeting straight away and said, we're not going to abide by our quota. And you've got to wonder, does this mean other countries are going to start to dispute their own quotas as well? Is anyone going to follow them? Are any of the other countries who were strongly disputing uh, the quotas, are they going to follow uh, Angola and leave the alliance as well? So it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting period now for, for OPEC as it seeks to kind of regain that unity, which was so important in delivering the past output cuts, which boosted prices uh, and created a situation where more countries were happy. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting day on that front. We'll, time will tell how significant it ultimately proves to be, but it certainly contributed to a slight downturn in oil today. Well, as I said, guys, it is the last podcast of 2023. So um be interesting to get your thoughts as to where you think we're going to go in the next 12 months or so. It promises to be a, an intriguing year for a number of different reasons, both uh, geopolitical and uh, economic. I'm going to start with you, Nick. Get the crystal ball out. What do you see of the year ahead? Well, I think one thing that is, uh, you know, we, we discussed this rally that we're seeing in the uh, specifically the equities market, but it's been, you know, pretty all around the room, everything from rates falling to gold hitting a new all time high very briefly. But, um, you know, we've seen some interesting moves in markets and uh, I can't help but bring up what is sort of center stage next year. I mentioned we were talking a couple weeks back about Thanksgiving in the US. Obviously, you guys from the UK, you don't partake in Thanksgiving. You really should. It's a wonderful time. But we were talking about how every Thanksgiving during election season is always a very interesting time in the United States. For my US listeners, I'm sure you can relate. Uh, politics get interesting and politics also make the market interesting. Next year, we have, again, um, Joe Biden probably running for his, his second term. Uh, it, we'll see who is, of course, his his opponent uh, in that regard. Of course, we'll see if Trump is, is back up or not. The point is, though, whether you like him, you hate him, doesn't matter. The markets will react in terms of um, the entire year. Now, seasonally, election years are interesting, but the year before elections, we've talked about on the podcast, typically good years for the stock market. Why? Well, if anyone was the president, uh, the listener, us on the podcast here, if you were the president and everyone's 401ks look terrible before you're getting reelected, that's not going to fly, right? You're not going to get reelected in that environment. So here goes the stock market, end of year, absolute rally, and yields are coming down. Another speculation as we go into the new year, in my opinion, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of loans that need to be renewed, uh, refinanced in the U.S. and uh, perhaps there is some relief uh, in that coming because the yields and the rates seem to be coming down. 
just ahead of some very large uh, refinancing that has to go on next year. Very interesting time, I think, for for uh, for markets next year. My opinion is is keep an eye on the Russell. I think uh, some of the small caps that have not partaken nearly as much as you know the Magnificent Seven this year could be a really interesting story for next year. And if you see the economy continue to slow, gold keep an eye on it because if you get right now, what we see is we see a strong labor market, and I think that that's an argument for why gold has not seen new highs. You know, you see a pretty resilient economy overall. If that economy starts to crack, I think gold takes out the highs. We'll see if that happens. Uh, again, it's going to depend on the data, and we'll be here to cover it throughout the new year. But I like watching the Russell. I like watching gold for next year to see what happens during that turbulent election season. Okay, so we've had the view from the other side of the Atlantic. Let's get uh, yours now, uh, Craig. In terms of the next uh, 12 months or so, uh, difficult to predict, isn't it? We've got our own election here. Uh, There are a different number of things to actually concern ourselves, both on the geopolitical and economic side of things. It's actually quite an enormous question, and I feel like next year in particular, and the reason is it's not really obvious how things are going to pan out. As Nick said, uh, election year tends to be a good year for the stock markets. Uh, It's also because, uh, as you've alluded to, presidents want to be re-elected, and therefore how can they influence things? Usually they can spend more in in an election year because they want the economy to be firing on all cylinders, which enables the stock markets to perform well. Uh, So we may see the stock market performing well. But also, if you remember rightly, um, all those years ago now, uh, when Donald Trump was campaigning and it became clear that he has a chance of winning, the stock markets were performing less well. And the view in the markets was that's because they thought he could be disastrous uh, if he won the election. And then shortly after he won the election, the view very quickly changed. He was the president who was going to cut taxes. He was the president who was focused on growth. He was the president who tweeted about the Dow every single day because it was so important for him to get it higher. And if a president wants to get it higher and the economy is doing quite well, then the the Dow can continue to go higher. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether we, I don't think we'll see a repeat performance, but it will be interesting if, say, Donald Trump takes a lead in the polls, if he is the preferred candidate for the Republican Party and can run, if he takes a lead in the polls, will we see the stock markets basically uh, reflect his poll lead or dwindling lead or or, or, or loss in the polls. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting thing I think that's going to be to watch next year. The UK elections, as you say, at this point in time, the, the, the Labour Party looks miles ahead, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that come the election, the polls will uh, be uh, a little bit closer, uh, which I think is going to be an interesting one again uh, to follow. And uh, I think there's two other things which I think are going to be a key focal point. And all of these things are going to come and tie in uh, to one. I think one is, of course, just general interest rates and inflation. Now, people are so bullish on interest rate cuts next year. Is it possible that central banks are really going to deliver 1.5% of rate cuts next year? There is every chance that it could happen. Uh, there's no doubt in that. If we continue to see a couple more inflation undershoots, then before you know, it could be in the first or second quarter of next year, and inflation could already be below 2%. And now central banks will start to be fretting about really undershooting to a significant degree. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds over the next 12 months. I think for the first three months of the year, it's going to absolutely dominate uh, as far as markets are concerned. The other one is AI. AI uh, reared its head uh, this year. 
And as Nick alluded to, the big seven were the big winners because they were the most obvious stocks that you think could win, led by uh, NVIDIA uh, and others than the big tech names. Obviously, the ones you could most easily see capitalizing on uh, the uh, AI uh, technology. What's going to be interesting next year is not only going to be which other stocks uh, now start to see the benefit and which others produce uh, evidence that they can actually benefit greatly product pro- uh, productivity-wise, but also earnings-wise on the back of AI, uh, but also it's kind of the unexpected sectors as well. The other interesting angle with AI next year, going into an election year, four years ago, people were worried about what influence is Russia going to have on the elections? What, what influence did Russia have on the Brexit referendum? What impact did Russia have on the election that Trump won? And therefore, what kind of election interference are we going to see? What impact is AI going to have on elections? Uh, and how much is AI going to be a feature of uh, of the talk next year going into these election periods? Because already you can start to see it materializing. It's not just about the good thing about the AI, it's the troubling aspect of AI as well. And how much of a feature is that going to be next year? And what impact will that have on the markets? There's positives and there's negatives. What impact are the negatives going to have on the markets and how much is that going to fear, uh, feature in our mindsets going in, uh, throughout 2024? Uh, so I think they're going to be the key themes. The other one, which you could throw in there as well, I guess, is cryptocurrency. Uh, we've seen a strong rebound towards the back end uh, of this year. You've got, a, I think you've got a big Bitcoin halving event next year, which is going to be uh, talked about for uh, between now and then. Given that it's rebounded so strong, the other thing where it kind of ties back to AI again is if there's so much enthusiasm for AI and there's so much money pouring into AI stocks, if that continues to be the case next year and it starts to become more spread out, is there going to be the same enthusiasm for something like cryptocurrency? Because the difference with AI from cryptocurrency currently is that already you can see companies using AI and you can see people and households and businesses using AI uh, with an actual purpose in a way that benefits their lives. We haven't really seen that on a mass scale yet with cryptocurrency. So uh, investors going to have the same uh, thirst and hunger for cryptocurrency next year when they start to be spoilt for choice for companies who can utilize AI profitably and also in a way that makes them uh, much more exciting and much more appealing. That's going to be another interesting thing as well because you could almost see an AI crypto standoff next year. Okay, guys, fascinating to hear your view of 2024. We will speak to you on the other side. Have a very good holiday. Thank you. Thanks, guys, and everybody who's listening. Have a wonderful, happy holiday season. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.